88 counties of murderers in Ohio continues on. I've talked about 13 cases in 13 different counties out of the 88 counties of the state of Ohio. This episode is part one about a case that started in Logan County, Ohio. Three other states also had to get involved to catch one murderer. It's time to find out why convicted murderer Samuel Elton Jr. was sentenced to life without parole here on Murderers in Ohio. west side of the state of Ohio, about the middle of the state. The county is northwest of the city of Columbus. A large part of the county is primarily farm areas. The city of Bell Fountain is the county seat of Logan County. The city is 48 miles northwest of Columbus. The county courthouse is in the city. In front of the courthouse sits a three-tier fountain. On top of that fountain is a pineapple. It is supposed to be a symbol of friendship. Bell Fountain in French means beautiful spring. The city has a population of over 14,000 people. Two pro basketball players, politicians, and writers come out of Bell Fountain. One of the people that is from Bell Fountain that impressed me is professional wrestler Sammy Callahan. He currently wrestles for Impact Wrestling and was a former world champion. One more interesting thing about the city. In 1891, Bell Fountain was the first city in America to have a concrete street. I never knew that. It is said that Bell Fountain has an average crime rate for a city its size. I seen something online where it says that the FBI stated that in Bell Fountain that one out of 73 people have a chance of being a victim of a crime. So for a population of 14,000 That means out of 14,000 people that 192 people in that city could possibly be a victim of a crime. In the city of Bell Fountain is Eastern Avenue. The avenue runs southeast and is also County Road 10. This would be on the east side of the city. At 729 Eastern Avenue sits a two-story house that has brown vinyl siding with white trim around the doors and windows. There is a driveway on the side of the house. There is a greenhouse on one side and a white house on the other side, both one-story homes. The brown house at 729 Eastern Avenue is a decent-sized home 
In the year of 2011, a man and a woman lived in the Brown House. 37-year-old Sam Littleton Jr. and his living girlfriend, who I will only refer to by her first name, Deb. Samuel, or Sammy, as he was called by people close to him, worked at a foundry in Kenton, Ohio, which is north of Bell Fountain. Deb owns her own hair salon in Bell Fountain. The foundry where Sammy worked is called Kenton Iron Works. I will have to say that I have had some help with getting some of this information. I will not mention who the source is. However, this source knew Sam Littleton Jr. and other people involved in this case. Sammy is an average sized man with short dark hair and a goatee. He had a truck and rode a black motorcycle. I was told that Sammy was renting the house at 729 Eastern Avenue. However, I see several articles that say that the home was sold to Sammy in the year of 2009. I found online that Sammy also had lived in Lewistown and Huntsville, Ohio. Sammy usually hung around a group of people who rode motorcycles, some would call them bikers. He participated in toy and charity rides on bikes. He had barbecues with friends. He played softball and went to places like the zoo. In the brown two-story home was a full unfinished basement. This is where Sammy liked to make projects out of wood and work on motorcycles. There were times when the basement was filled with gas fumes or the fumes of wood stains. I was told that the basement was where people would smoke. This could be cigarettes or or marijuana. Sammy was known to smoke weed. Sammy and his girlfriend Deb did spend a lot of time with friends. Sammy and Deb did not have any kids together. Deb did have kids of her own. It is said that a couple of her kids did not come around the house because they did not like Sammy. Then there was Tiffany Brown, Deb's 26-year-old daughter. Tiffany was a single mom with shoulder-length dark hair. She was the mom of two little boys. Tiffany had an apartment in Bell Fountain. She was trying to go to school and work to provide a better life for her kids. It is said that Sammy and Tiffany did get along with each other. Tiffany had spent time at Sammy's house with Sammy and her mom. I have been told that when Deb could not go on a charity ride or a special ride event, that Tiffany would go with Sammy. Sammy acted as much of a father as he could to Tiffany, even though he wasn't her dad. He loved her kids. What could possibly cause things to go horribly wrong for these people in the year of 2011? On Friday... February the 11th of 2011, Tiffany Brown dropped her kids off at a neighbor's house around 4.45 p.m. in the afternoon. She was going to run some errands and eventually come back to pick up her kids. However, Tiffany never did come back to pick up her kids. 
at 11.30 p.m. that night, the kid's grandma, Deb, picked them up. No one had heard anything from Tiffany. A single mom doesn't just drop off her kids and disappear. If something happened to where a single mom could not pick up their kids at the time they said they would, they usually call or text someone to let them know what's going on. It was a Friday evening. A person could have went out with friends. The next morning, February the 12th, a Saturday, Deb, Tiffany's mom, called the Bell Fountain Police Department. She reported to the police that her daughter, 26-year-old Tiffany Brown, was missing. Law enforcement would find out around 9 a.m. that day that Tiffany's cell phone activity ended near the cell phone towers near Kenton, Ohio, which is north of Bell Fountain. This would only tell law enforcement that Tiffany was somewhere in the Bell Fountain or Canton area the last time that she used her cell phone, which was on February the 11th, sometime after she dropped off her kids. There is evidence that Tiffany had gone to a bank on February the 11th. Online, there was some confusion on whether this was before or after she dropped off her kids. She had gone to the bank before she dropped off her kids. After Tiffany was reported missing, Sammy and Deb did have people over to the house on Eastern Avenue. People sat in the kitchen at the kitchen table. There was a doorway in the kitchen that went down to the basement. People sat no more than five feet from that basement door. The brown two-story house is said to have an open floor plan. The front door was between the living room and dining room. At this point in time, Sammy was not allowing anyone down in the basement where they sometimes smoked. Sammy said that he was working on a project in the basement. He did not want anyone smoking down there around the fumes. Sammy would occasionally not allow anyone down there to smoke. There was six to seven steps that went down to a landing. Once on the landing, a slight turn would lead to another door, which was locked. I was told that at this time, Sammy was using meth and heroin. His addiction was getting bad. Wild parties and drug use are not uncommon in the biker groups. It doesn't make them bad people. It would take a couple of days before law enforcement could catch a small break in the disappearance of Tiffany Brown. A car was located at a apartment complex in Bell Fountain. On February the 14th, a Monday, around 1 in the afternoon, Tiffany's car was located behind a apartment building, not too far where Tiffany lived. The keys had been left inside of the vehicle. There was no signs of Tiffany. Law enforcement could at least search the car for evidence. A person who might have watched this on the news probably would think that this would be good news for Tiffany's mom, Deb, and Deb's boyfriend, Sammy. 
Tiffany's family and friends had to be worried about her and wanted her to come home. Bell Fountain Police stayed active with their investigation into Tiffany's disappearance. The Logan County Sheriff's Department would soon start a missing person investigation of their own. At this point, no one knew that these two things were tied together. On February the 16th, around 6 p.m. in the evening, the Sheriff's Department would get a call. The caller had said that his neighbor's car was missing. They lived outside of the city of Bell Fountain. The caller said that his neighbors would not drive at night. At this time, the Sheriff's Department didn't do much about the call. The call was only about a missing vehicle. The caller was talking about 84-year-old Richard Russell and his wife, 84-year-old Gladys. They lived on an 80-acre farm outside of the city of Balfountain. 6.20 that same evening, a truck was found abandoned on a back road about a mile or two from the Russell's farm. The truck was registered to Deb. However, the main driver of the truck was Sammy Lilton Jr. Keys and a cell phone belonging to Sammy were left in the truck. This only brought up questions for law enforcement. Later that evening, around 9 p.m., law enforcement went to the house at 729 Eastern Avenue to do a second interview with Deb, Tiffany's mom, and now the owner of the abandoned truck. Officers actually gone inside of the brown two-story home to talk to Deb. During this second interview with Deb, an officer noticed something in the house. A officer noticed a shirt or a piece of clothing that appeared to have blood stains on it and what appeared to be a bloody handprint. The officers left that night with plans on getting a search warrant for the house on Eastern Avenue. Sometimes getting a search warrant is not a quick process, especially late at night. They would have to wait till the next day. At this point, I'm wondering what Tiffany's mom, Deb, was thinking. What was on her mind after the second interview with law enforcement? This also brings up a question for me. Why didn't Deb, Tiffany's mom, notice the shirt or piece of clothing with bloodstains on it? It was in a spot where an officer could spot it during an interview, but she lived there and did not notice it. I keep a messy house at times, but I can still notice when things are out of place or don't look right. Now something else happened on the evening of February the 16th of 2011, which was on a Wednesday. This is something that the Logan County Sheriff's Department did not know at the time. Around 11.30 in the evening, at a rest stop on southbound Interstate 75, in Butler County, a Ohio State trooper was running a random license plate check at the rest stop. I never knew they did that at rest stops. The state trooper ran the plates on a green Mercury Grand Marquise. The owners of this car was Richard and Gladys Russell. The car did not stand out to the state trooper though, 
at the time. The plates were valid and the car had not been reported stolen. The trooper never saw who was driving the car. The car had only been reported as not being seen at the Russells' home. The Russells should be the only ones driving the car. The couple did not have any kids. Richard was a farmer but having health issues. He had sometimes walked with a walker. Gladys was a former bookkeeper. She wore glasses and had gray hair like her husband. They weren't in the best of health for a long trip. They both took medication. I don't have an exact time. On the morning of February the 17th, law enforcement goes back to 729 Eastern Avenue, the home of Sammy Lilton Jr. and his living girlfriend Deb. They show up at the house with a search warrant. While searching the house, they go down into the basement to look around. On the landing in the basement, under a pile of scrap wood, was the partially clothed body of 26-year-old Tiffany Brown. Tiffany's body had been inside her mom's house the whole time. Law enforcement would notice that Tiffany had been stabbed. She had been in the basement for six to seven days. It seemed like after that many days, someone would have noticed a smell coming from the basement, from the body decomposing. I read somewhere that it usually takes 24 hours to 3 days for a dead body to give off an odor. If it did start to smell, why didn't anyone notice a different smell in the house? Later that afternoon, on February the 17th, law enforcement would name their person of interest in the Tiffany Brown homicide case. That person was Sammy Lilton Jr. They also stated that Deb, Tiffany's mom, was not a suspect. The Belfound Police Department went from a missing person case to a homicide investigation. At this point, and in looking into Sammy Lilton Jr., I'm wondering two things. And I gotta say these two things even if it upsets some people. First off, I'm wondering who all knew, and I mean who all honestly knew, what happened to Tiffany. And second, did Sammy maybe have an unknown attraction for Tiffany that he never told anyone about, or maybe he did tell someone about? Around 4.45 that afternoon, Logan County Sheriff's Department would get a call. The call would be from the same neighbor who reported the Russell's car missing. Now, the caller wanted to report the couple was missing from their home outside of Bell Fountain. At 8.40 p.m., after finding a piece of paper with Sammy's cell phone number on it inside of the Russell's home, the Logan County Sheriff's Department put out an alert for the Russell's car. Thank you for joining me for part one about convicted murderer Samuel Lilton Jr. Make sure to listen to part two while I will be talking about the manhunt and arrest of Sammy, plus find out what happened to Richard and Gladys Russell and how three other states got involved in this manhunt. I am Bill Swafford and this has been 
Rivers in Ohio. We got the devil on the road in a 